If homosexuals are allowed their civil rights, then so would prostitutes or thieves or anyone else. Forty years old, and I haven't done a thing. I'm not going to be forced out of San Francisco by social deviants and incorrigibles. We need one of our own in office. We can have a revolution here. I don't do losing. There she is, our new campaign manager. You all scared of girls. Oh! You'll be the first openly gay man elected to major office. I think you're part of the machine now. Society can't exist without the family. We're not against that. Can two men reproduce? No, but God knows we keep trying. <laughs> if these people are going to live a life of such open homosexuality, they are going to be removed from their jobs. We're going to beat this thing. We need everyone. We lose this. We'll have anti-gay laws in all 50 states. You're not like most homosexuals I are. Do you know a lot of homosexuals, Dad? Harvey Milk will be stabbed and have night of horror. You call them police. They probably wrote it. You have an issue. It's more than an issue. This is our lives we're fighting for. You get the first go at the minute you stand at the microphone. You don't have to go up Without hope, life is not worth living. You've got to give them hope. You've got to give them hope. You can sure tell that came out in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to give them hope. Let me be clear. Okay, change and uh, Harvey Milk. Um, yeah, actually, uh, several of the uh, introductions to this movie, he's at Obama campaign events. Uh, Sean and, I, and like, there's a bunch of like Obama hope and change signs behind him. Uh, ah, hope and change. Remember that? <laughs> hope and change. Uh, I'll slam the door right now. Um, <laughs> he said hope and change, and he slammed the door on all of us. Yep. He really did. What, but, uh, what pro promise to uh, codify Roe v. Wade when he had a supermajority was like, eh, we're good. But think of the fundraising. Um, yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> this is a movie night extravaganza, and I'm sure we'll have a long. Um, Certainly is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll have a long uh, discussion about Roe v. Wade in the after party. But um, for now, I am joined by Protonic Reversal. Uh, host, Cone Neutron, the Secret Friends, uh, band leader, just got back from tour, like all around uh, from, yep. from, you know, Atlanta, uh, Louisville, um, Louisville, 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 <laughs> Nashville, Indianapolis. Yeah, every place was incredibly hot. Like, like not not just like the shows were like good. They were, but it was literally incredibly hot. Like, yeah, you're touring like, around the, uh, you know, around the South in like the, the hottest yeah. time period of the Yeah, I know. It's... Wasn't my idea, but whatever. It, it was great. It was it was awesome, and it was all too brief, um, as tends to be the case. But yeah, um, it was 
interesting to be in those places. Uh, as you know, the I didn't know it was coming, but the news broke about Roe being overturned while we were out. That's always the weirdest thing when you're out on tour, when like some major news item breaks, because you're kind of a little divorced from reality and in your own world. But obviously, like, you know, but you're like, oh, well, what's happening? What's happening? You know, are there protests happening? Are there? And now it's a lot easier to find. It used to be back in the day. It was just sort of like, well, I no idea. No way to find out. Now, it's of course, everyone's online all the time. So it's easier. But yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting that technically speaking, I guess it's still Pride Month. Right. And like, it's like, oh, yeah. Here's a bunch of rights that are being taken away. We have Nothing one more day to be gay. It very much is still Pride Month, as I could tell walking around the city. Yeah. Like half of the people at protest signs, half the people were uh, ready for Pride. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of, uh, yeah. Well, it's just amazing that, like, you know, you look at the advances, uh, you know, the remainder over the years, and, and but you look at this at the things that they're dealing with in, in this film and in this time period, and it's like, oh yeah, not that much has changed. Yep, they're still taking away rights. You know, they're still. It's you know it's it's it's. It's hard, but as much as the Hopi Changey stuff is so, like, very much 2008, it is kind of like, I think the message in that, rewatching it literally today, because I had no time otherwise to see it, uh, you know, it resonated even, like, even more. And, and I do agree with it, even though it's hard to divorce that from the Obama campaign and failed promises slash, you know, watching the pit, the pitch sale past. Uh, I, I do agree that you can't just sit there and outline a litany of grievances and expect people to flock to your side. It's just not going to work. Yeah. And of course, also joined by Christina. Oak. Oh yeah. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> she says there's less people. I was going to make the intro as long as possible. <laughs> Coming to us live from the Castro, apparently looking by that uh, background. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, but yeah, I was so I was in New York City. I saw this it at the Castro Theater when it premiered. I saw they because they did the premiere of the Castro. I saw it at the Castro Theater, which is a trip because it's right next to like where Castro Camera was. I mean, like you're literally and you yeah. walk out and you're like, oh, this is the street that all that stuff happened. It, it was a surreal experience. Sorry. I remember yeah. seeing it in theaters uh with my dad and uh feeling like, oh wow, we're in this like transcendent moment. Like <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it right as it came out, right? It was like November. Yeah. It's like we, it hadn't, like the the Obama failures hadn't hit yet. It still felt like you had yeah, that time to fail yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Still, I, I remember there's a lot of people that were that were just like, "Cool, let's party." Yeah, yeah. and so so watching it now though, uh, thinking about like you know stuff going on like uh, lives of TikTok, who's kind of our our moments. I got the lives of TikTok block. I did too. I did too, actually, on Friday. But thinking about her as like kind of our this generation's Anita Bryant, right? Like now we have social media, and it's a Twitter account that literally outs, uh, you know, um, transgender and gay and like yeah. any any kind Are of we, yeah any right. minority at this point. Like I saw her post like a TikTok of someone who who a woman of color and and, and I guess her, you know, uh, I think lives a TikTok was like, how dare this black person try to tell us what to do? And I'm like. Yeah, well, I think I think as uh, mental decline kind of also hits that account, right? Like as they get more famous, they're going to get more unhinged, and it's going to be um, insane to really well now not watch it because they blocked me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 she was she was attacking Keffels, right? And I was like, you have her blocked. She does not have you blocked. Yeah, You're talking a lot of shit right now, and then she blocked me, and I'm like, oh. And and that and she's not someone who is uh, located in 
you know, like in one of these red states. She's located right there in good old New York City, yep. uh, in the uh, like in the Orthodox Jewish community somewhere. She doesn't um, have to worry about her rights being taken. Yeah, so it, it's interesting, right? Like, because it feels like a lot of these attacks come in so-called blue blue states. The same as, I mean, you know, it starts out both cases. It starts out with Anita Bryant and with her um, with Florida politics, right? But like, but but it ends up uh, extending out to not just. Um, Sitting out not just to those kinds of more depraved areas, like it ends up, you know, hitting right in uh, blue states. You know, the uh, the 1970s was because I also watched Mrs. Uh, Mrs. America about Phyllis Schlafly, and it seemed like the 70s was a very, very different time where it was almost like who was going to have like the the hold of American politics? Like, would it be the left or the right? And unfortunately, after 1978, it seemed. The right wing ended up getting a lot of what they wanted. Reagan came yeah. into office and just we're still dealing with that shit like 40 years later. Well, I mean, yeah. well, oh, hold on. Let, get, get, yeah, there's three people in here. Maybe I can get a sentence in. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, But a lot of that to do with like, you know, the, the reason people uh, voted against Jimmy Carter were twofold. One was gas prices, right? And the other was like the hostage crisis, which was there's a whole cottage industry of like books and like podcasts and things about that, and how that was orchestrated, how that was basically subverted and turned into a win for Reagan. But yeah, the Equal Rights Amendment came with a gnat's eyelash away from uh, being enough to be codified. Like it, it wasn't like a, it, I think you're right. Like the battle lines were drawn certainly, but it wasn't like a sure thing. Thanks. But it is. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, Ms. America, that's a great, I guess is a mini series. Yeah. Right. It, really it was really, showed, I really, we really liked that. I, I dug that a it lot. It really showed the internal, like the internal conflicts within different branches of the feminist movement. Exactly. Like your, your, uh, your Shirley Chisholm versus, uh, your rad you know, femmes and, you know, your liberal feminist. Yeah. And, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't think of a name right now, but, uh, um, Ready for Dan? Uh, yeah. Well, the point of fact is that like, it was, a, it sh- like showed all of the, uh, yeah, that, that it was a coalition. It was just that literally it was, it was a coalition. So you, you've got, uh, you know, Gloria Steinem, of course, everyone remembers Gloria Steinem, but like Betty Friedman, Right, played by Tracy Ullman. I didn't realize it was Tracy Ullman. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, she's awesome. like she was like, "We shouldn't be letting the trans and the lesbians and talk yeah. about like abortion." And I'm like, "What the hell?" This I'm like, "Oh, like, so this is what a radical feminist is." Yeah, you're you're like know. a proto turf. Well, say anyway, whatever. I don't want to get in trouble, but like, but like, it's wild to see that you know, yeah. But it was a coalition, right? And then they had the normal things of like, you know, okay, they're kind of starting to internecine conflict about things. You know, this one doesn't like that one, et cetera, et cetera. As what actually happened, but to see it all kind of laid like that, and then also see like it portrayed not as like a and I, and I hate to say it, not like as Adam McKay style, like, hey, dummies, remember this kind of thing, like with Vice, and I do like that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but to actually have you know a really great portrayal of a horrible human being, like Kate Blanchett as Phil Schlafly. I mean, that's a that is one of the worst people in like our lifetimes. Uh, it's just that people well, don't know her name because he was in like 2020, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah that and, was a good day. That was a good day. And people don't know her name because after she did all the work and that if, if she'd been a dude and done all that work, then she would have been like, you know, a senator or would have been like in the cabinet yeah. or something along those Reagan lines. Reagan kind of kicked her to the curb. Trying. She did. <laughs> she kept trying. Yeah. But exactly. But the thing is, like, even after she did like, you know, 40, 40, 50 times more evil than like all the other evildoers 
uh, she still didn't get her, her reward for it. And like to have that portrayed is like, you have to be able, first of all, you have to be able to kind of uh, appreciate the character study that like, no, this person like did a lot of like horrible things, like yeah. the horrible things that have lasting repercussions today, but then also to be like, Oh, and then still didn't get like, you know, the, 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 the reward. She coined, uh, she coined the whole own the libs thing. I mean, she didn't say own the libs. Obviously, that's like internet slang. Yeah. She coined uh, she's her, the philosophy. The libbers. Well, I'm like, why would you call liberals well, libbers? That said, sounds like libertarian. Libs. She, her opening yeah. joke would be, um, her like, I was just listening to Reaganland again this, today to prep up for this episode. And her opening line every time was, um, I'm, I want to thank my husband for letting me be here. And then she would say, I say that every time because it makes the libs so mad. And she would kind of yeah. laugh like that. But that's like the, you know, Reagan ended up using that strategy in, in a softer kind of grandpa kind of, do, I guess, daughter and grandpa kind of way. But like Trump and all of these kind of uh, yeah. more depraved, you know, right. And no people. one really cares. We do not care. You don't own us. It's, you don't you don't offend us. We do. Yeah. Not well, care. well, but the thing is, reacting at all. being called a lib, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the most offensive thing. Exactly. <laughs> Jason, yeah. Jason said that to me as a joke. I was like, that's hate speech. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but well, hold on, hold on. I, but I think before we move on, I'm not going to let's move on. No, uh, Miss America, like it, it had to have come out at that time though, because you're right that it, it did. It was sort of the grandmother of of that kind of like mindset. It's like absolutely prevalent in today's politics. In the same way that like remember 2008, gay marriage, right? Gay marriage. Everyone was talking about gay marriage, which by the way. Always should have been marriage equality, uh, you know, and uh, the frame language is still, still on the right wing terms. Gay marriage is a right wing term. Frank Lutz. Uh, and just yet again, I mean, like liberals love to engage on right wing frames. We've all established that they don't know any other way to be. Uh, but like, think about uh, of that time. Milk is very much of that time, right? And also, that's why all the hopey changey stuff came in too. Uh, of there being like, hey, there's hope, and then oh yeah. Is there? <laughs> um, so speaking of Sorry, that, Christina, go ahead. I didn't mean to railroad you, but I, I, I saw you were going for something different. I wanted to get that out there. Oh, no. I was going to talk about like San Francisco politics, but we'll definitely get to that later. We'll get that. We'll, oh, we will. Oh, we're going to. Oh, so so <laughs> I, I want to, I, I guess, start with some of this. This is uh, this was cut into the actual um, milk, right? Like, because they used a lot of real footage. Yeah, so they the did the thing where they, yeah, they blend it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and Anita Bryant, yeah, everyone gets to be Anita Bryant now, and you don't have to be, like, shilling orange juice, you know? Yeah. Like, you can just jump on the internet. Apparently, she was uh, Lyndon Johnson's favorite singer and actually sang at his funeral a couple years before all of this. Yeah, she became really? a hit with Paper Roses, which, by the way, Marie Osmond's version is way better. And she also sang at both the DNC and the RNC uh, <laughs> the same year. Right. Before, wow, before wow. That, that's, that's, I mean, with, with considering how much the Democrats and Republicans are, are not really that different these days, it's like, oh, yeah. wow, perfect. I was just going to say, everyone make your own jokes. <laughs> well, this, this was, I think this was a little bit before uh, her whole turn towards this. This is some of the footage that um, I, I watched last night, an hour and a half. This, I, I really, like, punished myself by doing this. I watched an hour and a half uh documentary on her her whole back and forth with uh you know in miami date which is what comes up you know early oh yeah 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 which is which is looms very large in the story of milk but also looms large in the movement for sure yeah that was like one of the great uh, big setbacks so this is some some of the footage from that we 
we talk about the danger of the homosexual becoming a role model to our children. And I'm not talking necessarily of child molestation in the physical. I'm talking about the psychological, which is even more detrimental. It would have far-reaching effects on our children and on our nation. Can I get a fact check on that? Having gay role models is uh is more damaging than molestation. I don't think that I need a fact check on that. I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, there are gay role models. It's not a political issue. It's a moral one. I love the homosexuals. I love them enough to tell them the truth. Because God is very plain concerning these kinds of sins. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I feel very strongly that what we're faced with today is something that is being camouflaged under Christian faith, Christian love, that is one of the most vicious hate campaigns this country has ever seen. And the cultural values of man have been vindicated. Hmm. I thank God for the strength he has given me and my family. And I especially thank my fellow citizens who joined me in, in what at first was a walk through the wilderness. The people of Dade County, the normal majority, have said enough, enough, enough. For almost five months, our community has been subjected to the discussion of a highly emotional issue. This distasteful atmosphere was created by the insensitive and unnecessary action of a bare majority of the Metro-Dade County Commission two women and three men who caved in to the demands of a highly vocal radical group. Hopefully, the Metro Five have learned their lesson. We have a national movement. We've created an entire awareness throughout not just this country, but all over the world uh, as to the discrimination that's going on. And uh, Fanita thinks that uh, the gay community is going back into its closet from this. She's sorely mistaken. Well, I've been involved uh, in a moral issue and uh, I have tried to steer clear of political issues and I feel that, um, that that certainly is in the political arena and because we have a job to do nationally with Save Our Children that uh, the people who voted uh, for repeal uh, will make that decision and I'm sure there are a lot of them that will take care of uh, recall. But you don't personally plan to get involved in that? <laughs> no, I uh, uh, as I said before, I've, I've got a lot of work to do in other areas, but I don't think I have to get involved. I think that's going to be taken care of. Hmm. Moral majority. Heard that. Yeah, I was going to say, how, how much of that language is almost wholesale carried over uh, today, right? I mean, it's... It's, it's, it's 2023 20, people, what the fuck? The, yeah, the, I mean, the, the only thing is changes the messenger, really. <laughs> yeah. Free moral majority, right? Like, this is... I mean, this is kind of what led up to that coalition, and... Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like listening through Reagan Land today, uh, some of it, I mean, it's like 45 hours of uh, an audiobook. So, like, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but listening, like, back some of it um, and understanding how, you know, the right, uh, you know, Rick Perlstein writes in that, like, uh, each discontent builds on the other ones. 
So like everything from, you know, I mean, abortion uh, to, you know, the feminist movement and opposing that. And uh, even like domestic domestic violence laws, like like fighting against domestic violence laws being passed. And, uh, you know, and then on top of that, you know, the gay and lesbian movement. And on top of that, um, the Panama Canal, which is one that, you know, now like that that's something that slipped into the ether but <laughs> was a, a huge issue for the conservatives going into the 1980 election right like not giving yeah. up the panama now um weird one but yeah and the nra like so all yeah those- in retrospect that seems really weird but it, it absolutely <laughs> makes sense in the context of the time there was a lot of things that there's were outraged about and it still baffles my mind that you know we're still having to put up with this bullshit yeah we're still arguing about all of them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's real. Right. And and like, again, it goes back to, you know, what I was talking about, like gay marriage was a right wing frame. Absolutely. And it was meant to be a right wing frame because it was made to, to reframe the debate to be talking about marriage or religious institution rather than uh, legal rights yeah. as a couple, uh, as as a citizen. And instead of I, I can tell you exactly how it should have been framed. It should have been framed as, do you believe in, uh, you know, that folks should have equal rights to be with who they want to be with. And if you frame it in that term, then if, who's, you know, who's going to say no? Assholes pretty much. Right. But I, I instead we had to have it be controversial for years and credit where credit's due. I didn't vote for him. I, helped out his challenger from the left when he first ran for mayor, but Gavin Newsom was on the right side of that issue and, you know, was, didn't enforce that ban and credit where credits too. Like I said, like he, he was one of the first ones to actually do that. And despite it being completely framed exactly wrong and every piece of that, uh, of how that fight went was wrong, but society evolved to the point that like, Still won that one. I mean, you you would think that. I mean, things seem to be on the up and up. It seemed like you know a lot of like I hate mentioning Glee, but like you know you had more TV shows that represented you know LGBTQ plus characters. You had you know Kurt. You had Brittany and Santana. Even though even though Glee was very 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 biphobic, calling you out Ryan Murphy on that one, by the way. Um, And then Trump came into office. Yeah, because that's the big overcorrection. Slowly right? but it's, surely, things were like, oh, you know, their drag queens are bad. You know, transgender people are bad. You know, oh my god, gay people bad. Look at the sister wives. That's what's gonna happen. And I'm like, the one, the one thing that Trump did get right uh, that came out today is that he wanted to hang Mike Pence. 100% yeah. <laughs> wow. For, uh, for no wonder you got banned from Twitter. <laughs> For, for different for different reasons, Trump wanted to obviously. I know. Hey, man, even a stop clock's right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on air, are we? I'll never say that on air. Uh, no, but but I mean, it's true, and that's a big overcorrection because it's like the last gasp of like the Dan White types, right? Not, I mean, not Dan White himself because he committed suicide. I mean, we kind of still have them, but like, yeah, but like not as a generational thing. Right. There is a new generation of um, people that don't want others to have rights. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like how it was where, look, the idea of, uh, you know, Harvey, uh, Harvey Milk, like telling people like, you know, you need to come out because when people know that there's a gay person personally that like, is in their family, they're more inclined to 
think of them as humans uh, ostensibly I forget the exact yeah and and they're more inclined to vote for uh you know to vote against the law that like makes it so that they can't they infringes upon them yeah. they, they infringes on their rights and that's 100 yeah. percent true and think about that in terms of like for trans people now right because that's where all the 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 culture war stuff is is just like you know let's beat up on the trans folks and if, if like people are way more inclined to like think of uh, a trans person as a human if they know <laughs> them. Carlson is a Dan White socialist. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the Glenn Greenwald comment where he called uh, Tucker Carlson. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay, great. So, but 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 the thing is, like, is the, the language and the framing is exactly the same. It's just the targets change. And, and, you know, it'll be something else, like, you know, in 10 years or something along those lines, right? Like, it's just they use it because it works. Yeah. But, yeah. And they use it because the media is now used to hearing it and will just freely engage in it for them. And now we're also adding, like, you know, first it was just, you know, transgender community were groomers. And now it's like, oh, but don't say gay. Like, oh, even gay people are groomers, even bisexual oh, yeah, people. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, I just out. want yeah. to be with a guy or a girl. Just leave me alone. <laughs> That's a well, clip they, right there. They, go they, ahead. Yeah. They, <laughs> they out, right? And the, the irony of it is, like, Matt Gates, you know, pushing that as hard as he possibly can, literally a fucking groomer. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah, his girlfriends yeah, yeah. Are, are barely legal. Like, so the the idea of someone as a groomer, like, because that's not a, a legal concept, right? Like, grooming is not something that you go to court. You can't like get arrested for grooming. Wait, Maxwell groomer, but pedophile. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like that. That's the crime, not the psychological impact of the grooming. And so the the nebulous uh, nature of that term as kind of a slang term and not a legal term means that yeah. you know the right is trying to grab it as fast as they possibly can because they do that shit more than anybody yeah um, <laughs> but but the thing is that the fact but the fact that they do it is again you can't attack a frame with facts they're talking about oh they're talking about the creeps they're talking about you know the, the people the, the, the not normal people right so since Matt Gates is one of the good ones. He's, he's he's a normal person, right? In their minds, is so that would never. Oh, that must just be lies, you know, like that. And that's yeah. that's the frame based world that it used to be. I uh, even ten years ago we would call people to like that psychopaths, but now it's just like, oh no, you get to choose your own reality. Yeah, no, like, we're, living in, we're living in a fact free, uh, the fact free era. Right, and but people, but again, what people like, there's all of the 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 Elizabeth Warren people who only would talk in like Harry Potter analogies until like until you know a certain wow. person went on tirades. Uh, all of those folks, like they still don't understand framed language, like they still don't get it somehow, and they don't get that no matter how many facts you throw at someone, it's never going to change their mind because they know that it's like good people, bad people trusted source untrusted source and engaging yeah, with the frame in any way shape or form yeah. even to mock it reinforces and not even democrats frame. have a plan i mean you know what hillary clinton said that democrats need to focus on winning and not on activist issues like abortion rights and lgbtq plus rights i'm like you're pissed about roe v wade yeah i mean losing is her job but sure let's listen to her about how to win elections <laughs> oh no but 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 what chris azilla said hillary clinton 2024 it's happening i'm like God, just no. It doesn't. I mean, if if primary, if the primary was Biden versus Hillary, I would not give a shit. Like, I wouldn't even vote. Yeah. Biden, Hillary, suicide. Bi Biden, <laughs> Hillary, DeSantis, Trump, and oh my God, no matter which person is, it is, like we're taking a cyanide pill as a nation. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So continuing our, our little uh, trip down, I guess, uh, memory lane or whatever. 
this is well, and it's hard not to. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about the movie, but it's hard not to bring these issues into today's yeah. Yeah. politics, right? It would be. Like, it would be absurd. Like, no, let's talk about Sean Penn the whole time. Like, let's <laughs> right, talk exactly. about the politics. CIA asset. Sean, okay? CIA asset Sean Penn runs for gay city council. That's the what I describe this movie as. Um, but this is uh, this is Briggs who was running for. Uh, he was trying to run for governor, I believe, of California at the time. So he was introduced. Oh, the guy, the, the prop, prop six, six. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So this is a big part of the movie. This is the next thing. Yeah, the actor that plays him is like way more handsome. That guy was pretty fugly looking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look. You know me, looking up cast members. <laughs> In California, lawmaker John Briggs took a further step. Every homosexual, every lesbian. Briggs mounted a campaign for Proposition 6. to deny homosexuals their jobs in public schools. Now, what Proposition 6 is really all about is the right of parents to determine who will be teaching their children. We don't allow people who believe in practicing bestiality to teach our children. We don't let prostitutes teach our children. And the reason we don't is because it's illegal to be a prostitute, but it's not illegal to be a homosexual in California. Proposition 6 brought the issue of homosexuality into the homes of millions of Californians, and it thrust Harvey Milk into a statewide spotlight. There are already laws on the books to protect our children. Everybody from superintendent of schools, Wilson Rock, to Jerry Brown, to newspaper editors across the state, agree that indeed we have the laws to protect our children. I was born of heterosexual parents. I was taught by heterosexual teachers in a fiercely heterosexual society with television ads and newspaper ads, fiercely heterosexual, a society that puts down homosexuality. And why am I homosexual if I'm affected by role models? I should have been a heterosexual. And no offense meant, but if teachers are going to affect you as role models, there'd be a lot of nuns running around the streets today. Harvey knew that, that he had to have, or that the gay community had to have, some kind of a repository for money so that groups that were fighting the Briggs Initiative would have the, you know, could get funds in order to do the things that they had to do. I ended up being his co-chair of the United Fund to fight the Briggs Initiative. And that began our association, which over those months when Proposition 6 came into being, became a real close association. And I got to know him on a level that I, that had, that I had never anticipated. Well, nobody took Harvey Milk very seriously when he first ran for the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1973. But last year, Milk won election to the Board of Supervisors, where he's the first openly gay city official in the United States. And representing the Bay Area Committee against the Briggs Initiative is Sally Gearhart. Gearhart is a lesbian, a former high school teacher, and now a speech professor at San Francisco State University. And I remember that just before that debate, we had had a lot of talk, Harvey and I, about how we would dress. And we had agreed that the image that we wanted to project was sort of Mama and Papa USA, as neat and conservative as we possibly could. So a half hour before we start to leave for the television station, Harvey calls me and says, I've lost my earrings, dear. Whatever shall I do? Right. And I freak out, thinking, oh, my soul, you yourself say that the heterosexual is the child molester. And if in your statements here in all these newspapers and tonight, that child molestation is not an issue, 
if it is not an issue, why do you put our literature that hammers at home? Why do you play on that myth and fear? Same thing with VD, Harvey. We put our publications about VD so you can avoid it. This is campaign we're, literature. We're, yes, we're trying to keep people from falling into that trap. We're trying to prevent it by pointing it out. And by the way, I don't make the statement that 95% of all the heterosexuals commit. What percent is it? No, I don't know. You tell me. The state says 90 to 95%. Well, I've never seen that in writing. Yeah, I, I don't make those statements. You do. But we're not you even says here, we are not talking about about child molestation. The fact is, at least 95% of the people are heterosexual. If we took heterosexuals out and homosexuals out, you know what? We'd have no teachers. We'd have no teachers. No child molestation. So, so you're saying that the percentage of population you know. is equal to the percentage of child molestation? No. There's no I, difference. No, I'm not saying that at all. But that's what you just said. No, no, I'm saying that we cannot prevent child molestation, so let's cut our odds down and take out the homosexual group and keep in the heterosexual well, group. Why take out the homosexual group well, is it is more than, you know, <laughs> overwhelmingly it is true that it's the heterosexual men, I might add, who are the child well, I believe that's a myth. I've never seen... I've oh, never seen senators, the FBI, the National Council on Family Relations, the Santa Clara County Child Sexual Abuse Treatment Center, and on and on and on. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Father. And, like, honestly... Like they kind of nailed those set dressings, like in, in the film, like and the the debate at the Walnut Creek School. It looks ex it looks perfect. Like it's exactly it's, it's exactly right. Oh, and uh, even though it's like smaller, obviously it's not as in depth as the actual debate. Right? It's not a real debate. It's like a, a scene in a movie. But yeah. Dennis O'Hare played him in the movie. Yeah, he's way more handsome than the real dude. American Horror Story, and also he's done theater. He's done like uh, um, he was in. He's, Sweet Charity. he's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, he's a good yeah. like character actor. He was in like uh, what Twenty One Grams. He was in. Um, was he in Garden State? He's been in a bunch of stuff. He, he's yeah. like a that guy kind of like. Oh yeah, that dude. Kind of like a Stanley Tucci type. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it's so nice to, to like to see because because I think people when the, when the movie came out I, there were folks that were like less politically minded we're like they really go debate him at like a walnut creek high school it's like no that really that actually happened and and for folks that are not bay area specific walnut creek is um like out in the burbs like there's a bart the bart will still go out there but it's a long ride it's the suburbs like once you get on the other side of uh the Caldecott tunnel it's it's like that's conservative landia to a certain degree i mean not like it's still California conservative, which is to say, you know, you know, probably better than like Kansas or something along those lines. But like, it's not, you're not really in the Bay Area so much anymore. So he basically, when they talk about him doing it on his home turf, that's exactly what he was doing. Dennis O'Hare is the actor that plays him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's been a lot of stuff. Yeah, he, he's he's a uh, he was in True Blood, um, which at one point was a good show. <laughs> <laughs> like early on <laughs> yeah dallas buyers club he was in uh yeah he's all over stuff yeah but that that's such an odious character but a a uh you know that guy is a precursor to so many of these culture warrior people from like the 80s and, and early 90s like you know beginning be like falwell and and all their ilk and the televangelists and yeah i watched that conch industry I watched the eyes of Tammy Faye, and of course, Tammy Faye, she loved everybody. You know, yeah. she 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 was able to like talk about like, here's why your sex and your marriage just sucks. Here is a penis pump. You know, like she and like there, it, 
I remember they had like a meeting with Jerry Falwell, like in the film, and they're like, you know, we got, you know, you know, we got to do something about, about these homosexuals, you know, in their agenda. And she's like, what agenda? You know, maybe they just want to, you know, live their lives, you know, yeah. like, nothing wrong with that. And Jerry's like, you're going to have to do something about your wife. <laughs> well, Pat, Pat Robertson is another one. Uh, yep. another one oh, yeah. Guys. And he was a card. He, he's warrior. the happy warrior. He's he's no, like not just a culture warrior. Pro Baptist Church. He, I mean, Pat so Robertson. Is, even Fox News was like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a whole discussion of itself. But Pat Robertson, like, I mean, he like, look, people have a tendency to only like remember him as sort of like after his star sort of faded to a certain degree. But that guy was like, you know, sword and shield out culture warrior. Well, but he started off as a Carter, Jimmy Carter for president. Guy he did because yes, Carter he did. And yep. got disillusioned when uh, Carter started blowing him off because he's like, I don't need to, you know, kiss up to those uh, to those damn Baptists. But uh, like I, I think it's interesting that our last Democratic evangelical president, right, is Carter, and by yeah. the end of his administration, he had burned through uh, every single pretty much voting base besides, um, like you know, like uh, upper class kind of liberals that kind of look back well, on him at least and think like, wow, Jimmy Carter, so that's like that's our guy. Meanwhile, uh, you know, the most depraved, like whether it's Reagan or Trump or whatever, like they've you know since then fully capitalized. Yeah. On the, the uh the evangelical base while not themselves being uh evangelical well i mean bush kind of born again I well, guess. well well the thing with jimmy carter is it, he was a deeply moral guy but actually moral in the way of like jesus taught instead of yeah. all of these like like he was pro-choice i think what jesus meant to say was i mean he literally helped eradicate the <laughs> guinea worm like right oh wow that's deep okay all right yeah he yeah he even explained it i was like well, and he also look, look at his post-presidential career. He's habitat for humanity. He's literally built the houses for he like invented the, the, the unhoused, presidency. Man. Like he literally, yeah. he's like, I could do a lot more when I'm not president. Well, I yeah, think and the problem he with still the, builds houses. He's like what ninety-six. Like yeah, the, the problem yeah. with Carter's uh, faith and Carter's um, like morality is that his idea of morality is individualistic which kind of, um, you know, fully, number one, I mean, people didn't want to be told not to buy as much gas since it could serve energy and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, people did not yeah, like... No, people still don't want to hear that, but yeah, they My definitely didn't want like, to hear that. I remember the odd and even days. I'm like, yeah, you're that old, huh? But it also uh, <laughs> kind of played right into this really stupid <laughs> economic frame where it's like, um, government is like a, a family budget, you know what I mean? Like, which is the thing that kind yeah. of Reagan and everyone has fully, like, uh, hammered over everybody's head. Like, you know, government is family budget, like, we need to just not spend as much money and like kind of do without people not understanding what the deficit is because this family budget analogy that just won't die ever. Yeah. yeah like, and, and that, yeah, that how a government operates and how like a family of four operates are not in fact the same thing. Oh, whoa. This is surreal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, but Andrew's thank goodness it's a, it's a typical Andrew world quote. It's completely uh, contextless and baffling. All right. For the audio listeners. <laughs> I'm in the basement with the cats, borrowing my neighbor's internet, and I haven't had dinner. <laughs> oh, grumpy Andy's grumpy. <laughs> Andy, if you want to jump on, I put the link in the chat on your neighbor's internet. Um, <laughs> he comes out of the comments, he gets roasted. <laughs> he can't, he can't <laughs> break that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, this whole, this entire kind of. Uh, cultural moment is kind of fascinating, and I and I 
and I didn't really connect these two things together because I know the story of um, Jerry Brown and his aversion to the death penalty and how yeah. as crime rose in, in California, um, you know, drastically, uh, they wanted to bring back the uh, the death penalty and Jerry Brown was okay. like, he was he was perfectly willing to be tough on crime. He was perfectly willing to kind of do completely depraved things like uh, the three strikes policy, stuff like that, like before, yeah. you know, Democrats even uh, jumped on it. But like, um, he wasn't willing to. That, that know, was the thing, right. And they called him Governor Moonbeam yeah. because of that. And, and uh, people say and, the and Democrats are not tough on crime. He also had a laser show that he did in his, uh, <laughs> he had a laser show that he did during his presidential. He's also uh, uh, dating what's her nuts for a while, too. Um, oh, the name excuse me. Well, I mean, whatever. He at, at the time. So, so we're talking about, if we're talking about Jerry Brown. Oh, wait, so, like, I had a thought, thought that I was finished. So Briggs oh, sure. was the guy, Briggs, uh, the other part of this campaign, right? One of it was, one of the parts was this whole um, prop prop six thing the other part was uh you know that he was going to be the person who brought back the gas chamber and started executing far more people and so they had the vote that, that went into it where um you know jerry brown around this time vetoed um vetoed the death penalty like bringing the, the, death, the death penalty back because they hadn't killed anybody in a while with it and uh or by firing squad he was going to do a, a firing squad bill where he was like um He's gonna do a firing squad bill where like they started executing people via firing squad again. And uh what that you was, they're doing with that in South Carolina. That I was think. his big that was his the other plank of his. So it was gonna be, you know, we're gonna criminalize uh you know homosexuality and we're going to like bring back the gas chamber and firing squad. And he lost. He did not win. He did not win even the nomination for the Republican governorship. Wow, he would probably win today. I mean not Liza Minnelli, by the way. Jerry Brown and Liza Minnelli used to date in Liza Minnelli's oh, wow. days. Oh, that's a lot. Of pe- a lot of people don't know that because why would you? But yeah, like he was like the cool guy governor, like when I was like an infant, <laughs> like in his first run, and then yeah, yeah. But like, it's interesting that things were a little a little different because before Reagan ran for president, like he was, you know, he was considered like a California Republican, right? He had, he had different views on, on things. And like a lot, like other Republican politicians, he moved to the like less devolved policies to, uh, for stuff he didn't care about to get elected and then just became known for doing those things. And, you know, not to say Reagan was great. Reagan was always terrible. And like, you know, he was a snitch. He was an asshole. What, what, Christina? Didn't didn't how Reagan came up with his policies that Nancy had like an astrologist? Yeah, that was one thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> they interviewed her in that Showtime documentary, The Reagans. They interviewed like the daughter yeah. of their astrologist. <laughs> but but like the um, but the you know you got to think about like this so the time that this uh, is happening right look at. And you know, forty-five minutes in, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention Diane Feinstein. Ah, there he is. Hey, uh, Diane Feinstein, who will never ever retire, and and apparently intends and to you know her skeleton died. will be will be elected is uh, to the next term. Yeah, uh, but like the only reason people even that's awesome. Look, look there, that nice. cat is pulling a Blair Witch right now. Uh, <laughs> The the thing with Feinstein is that nobody really knew or cared who Feinstein was outside San Francisco until she was the one that reported that George Moscone and Harvey Milk had been killed. And like that, that catapulted her career. She became mayor, later became senator. 
Uh, by the way, you know who ran uh, also when uh, Jerry Brown ran for Senate? Because he did that. You know who else ran? Gore Vidal. Mm, yeah, that's, uh, but we haven't heard from Gore Vidal in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I remember that from the documentary. Yep. There's a good documentary about Gore Vidal and um, I think that's Gould called. from uh, 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 about magazine. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, um. uh, when he did all the debates with, <laughs> yeah, Kyle <laughs> Andrew Dundee. <laughs> yeah, my head ain't looking so hot. <laughs> well, uh, William Buckley, right? William Buckley. Yes, William F. Buckley. Yeah, Crocodile Andrew. The board of supervisors. It's my duty to make this announcement. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. The the suspect is Supervisor Dan White. Twinkie defense, right? Yeah, and I have and I have a thing on that for the, like towards the end of the episode. I I have clips interspersed. But, but like San Francisco politics, let's go. Well, I was I was about to say she became mayor. She was the the head of the board of supervisors. So then, at, with Moscone gone, she was uh, elected as acting mayor, and that basically catapulted her into the spotlight enough that again later on she became senator for life. <laughs> well, well, don't forget too, the eighty four president. Multiple lives. And, 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 and again, also too, you know, what made my heart sink recently was the, was that article about the doctor who was like, "Yeah, I'm in charge of all your politicians is uh, like Alzheimer's and dementia medication," and, and uh, you know, up in you know DC. And I was like, Diane Feinstein and Chuck Grassley are definitely getting prescribed something. <laughs> well, okay. I, and and then her office came out. Speaking of framing, they didn't uh, challenge the framing that she's going through mental decline. They said Diane Feinstein going through mental decline is a better senator than whoever we could pull out. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. That was an amazing comment. And also, not true at all, but like an amazing comment. Andy, what were you gonna say? Oh no! In 1984, if you remember, uh, she was uh, also in consideration for the uh, vice presidential slot that went to, yes, uh, strong Laura. contender. And to, we could have to had win her that nomination, she flew the Confederate flag outside the mayor's office. Oh yeah. yeah. We did it, Joe. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so uh, she, she did run in the same race as Jello Biafra. And I have, and this is, I always use this as an opportunity to bring this out. I have not the original campaign buttons because I would have been like a baby at the time. But since Jello is, I don't know if I can call him a friend, but he's we're friendly. I have some of his campaign buttons like this here. Public official is only as good as his record. Let's see if I can get that to show up on the camera. Probably not. Might be too. There we go. Yeah. We go. Yeah. Public official is only as good as his record. Yeah. Vote Shelby Afra, San Francisco mayor, 1979. That's one of them. Uh, let's see. It's all tied up with the camera's gone out of focus. Things. I know. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> by the ticket, take the ride, my dudes. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the man for the office, Jello. I got, I got a few of them. He's Biafra for mayor. I've got, I got the whole set. They re they reissued them a few years ago, and we got uh, I got some of those along with a bunch of uh, stickers that said "Nazi Trumps fuck off." So, and we distributed those around the uh, around the country on tour. Um, 
I really fucked this up somehow. Shouldn't don't show buttons on camera, people. Bring it in closer. Oh, you know, like, like my, my, on my, camera has a, my camera has an app that you can actually go in and uh, autofocus it. I don't know. Yeah, mine's pretty good this, too. This one's still new. Let me see, let me kill the light. Anyway. Um, look at the kitty. Look at the kitty, everybody. Is it a Logitech camera? It don't pay attention to code. I don't oh, want to troubleshoot my camera. Don't fucking worry about it. I'll take care of it. We're, we're right. here. Oh, Andy, yeah. what's up with you? The cat leaves me. <laughs> cat right away? It's the, it's the cat cams. Also the hat There we go. Oh. Mine's like a $40 Nanshiba uh, webcam, so uh, I got it from a subscriber. There you go. But my, uh, my other cat is still hiding behind the washing machine. Oh, she's going to be completely freaked out whenever we turn that thing on. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. She built herself a nest back there. Well, she's she's liking the she's liking the spot. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, wait till we turn until we run the uh, the machine. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So we're talking about uh, Jerry Brown. We're talking about uh, the the Briggs Initiative. Um, it's uh, you know. I, I think that this movie does a good job kind of uh, on, a, on, on like a, a basis without having to explain that much, right? Like intercutting documentary footage with um, with the actual story and actually kind of creating this thing. I wish that they had uh, included Diane Feinstein as a character besides in the beginning, because there yeah. is like a, there's an incredibly complicated um, mess of a story where um, immediately after winning the, the election, uh, Harvey Milk and um, Alicia Silver, I, I think is the name of the other politician uh, that he won with. But um, they they both uh, they both wanted somebody new to run the San Francisco um, supervisor board, right? Like they wanted a, a new chair. They wanted someone who wasn't like an establishment figure. So Harvey Milk yeah. and um, uh, Alicia, I think somebody like they they both voted against Feinstein. To, to be the, the city councilor, um, the, the head of the, the whatever city council. And uh, so they voted against her and then everybody else voted for her. And they said, well, let's try to get another vote. And um, and let's try to have a second vote where everyone votes for her unanimously and they both refused. They were like, no, we're not gonna vote for her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so their immediate thing was to vote against Feinstein. Meanwhile, Dan White was actually kind of mentored by Feinstein. Like they actually had a lot in common. Cringe. He, yeah. So. so it's kind of like she announced that her mentee had uh pretty much killed the mayor and uh and harvey Oof. milk never be under yep. fine flies wing only bad things happen also too with with it being like being in san francisco politics like you know jim jones of people's temple he he moved from like ukiah to san francisco because he wanted you know political power there he 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 was friends with harvey milk and i think even after what happened was harvey well, yeah. Well, it's amazing that we're going to talk about that and not some of the other bigger things. But yeah, that that is that is a thing. For I sure. think he defended Jim Jones. Jonestown broke the massacre broke eight days before uh, Harvey Milk was killed. Yeah, so mm. the news broke kind of back to back. And I think he even defended Jim Jones. I was like, oh, mm. Harvey, what are you doing, dude? Connie, you could, you could try yeah, like I, don't know. Uh, off. I, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Please don't address it. Like I please. Fuck's sake. Yeah, I'll, 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 I can pull out some more cats. 
I can pull up a clip. There we go. Pull up the clip. I'm never, I'm never showing a fucking button on this show ever again in my life. <laughs> what you need is like a button cam. You need a special a camera just for buttons. We got yeah. to the button exactly. cam. So this is this is the Dan White resigns. This is leading up to uh, the the double murder. Josh Brolin was well casted, by the way, because they do look a little bit. They look like I almost identical. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Four days after the Briggs Initiative lost, Dan White engineered his own defeat. Surprising everyone, he resigned from the Board of Supervisors. In the last year, Dan White had left a secure job as a fireman, been elected a city supervisor for little pay, launched a risky new business, and become a father for the first time. Dan White had entered City Hall and I... Unlike his flourishing counterpart, Harvey Milk, he was often frustrated by the job. White had never learned to operate in City Hall's atmosphere of back-scratching and compromise. White's resignation left Mayor Moscone with the task of finding a replacement. Mr. Mayor, what's happened since Dan White has resigned? I understand you're getting a lot of phone calls and such. The phone calls and cards and letters have been coming. I will tell you, as Dean Martin used to say, I, I was lobbying from just about the evening that Dan White uh, resigned all the way through the weekend, and the phones have been ringing off the hook today. This is Supervisorial District 8, Dan White's former district. As you know, most people were very surprised when Dan quit last Friday. No one seemed to know. He didn't tell any of his fellow supervisors, nor did he tell any of his political supporters. Obviously, you know, if... The time I spent to become elected, the time I spent down at the board, uh, the hours, the many hours I spent, uh, I don't want to see wasted. But for now, uh, I can only deal with my family's responsibilities. Many don't agree with Dan White. They say he gave up all of his political chits when he resigned so quickly without making any arrangements for someone whom he liked and supported to take over the system. In Supervisor District 8, I'm David Fowler, Channel 5 Eyewitness News. Well, now it starts all over again, because this morning, former supervisor Dan White says he wants to be called supervisor one more time. I didn't run for election to resign 10 months later. I worked awfully hard. My wife and my supporters worked awfully hard uh, so that I would be elected. And it was a major decision, as you can all understand, on Friday that I had to come uh, to arrive at. But since that time, uh, people unknown to me, plus my family and friends, uh, have come to me instead of that they want me to stay in office, that they supported me to stay in office. Mayor Moscone learned from the city attorney that Dan White could not take back his resignation. It was up to the mayor to decide who would get the District 8 seat. Harvey Milk lobbied hard against reappointing Dan White. Harvey's story was that the mayor was thinking of reappointing Dan. And that Harvey went in and said, how can you possibly do that? Dan is the sixth vote on the board we need. And certainly Harvey was courageous in that stance because no one else was doing it. And there were other supervisors on the board who felt just as strongly, but they weren't going to get involved in that. I mean, what if Dan got reappointed? You know, think of the animosity. Yeah, I mean, that's real. And also... Uh, since we have invoked Joe, we'll be off. I had it fixed. Now it's fucked up again. Uh, the uh, I fought the law by the dead Kennedys. He changed the lyrics to be about Dan White getting away with killing Moscone and uh, and Harvey Milk with the Twinkie defense, which we haven't even talked about. But yeah, I mean that's that's what that's about. You're on mute, Forrest. 
I'm building it on a piece by piece. Uh, we're going to say technical difficulties, the podcast, apparently, is what we'll call this. But <laughs> um, at least none of it will get really that picked up when it comes to the audio version of it. Right, uh, right, right. Exactly. When, when I upload that in August. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, building on it on this piece by piece a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I think that. So he, he resigned from his fire, or originally resigned from the fireman position that he had right with the city and he was getting a large paycheck assumably like a union paycheck and stuff and uh realized that he doesn't he doesn't make much money um and i don't think they really touch on this enough in the in the documentary version of it but they do in the actual like in the in the biopic right like it's pretty clear that he's going through extreme financial strain and uh i like the scene where they're doing they're kind of doing the horse trading where you know it's like oh well what can you like what can you support and what can i support like to try to have each other's back and like try to work together and he's like oh well you can you know introduce supervisor raises and he's like yeah well nobody was going to pass that because it's incredibly unpopular for you know politicians to start going yeah i think i should make more money that is not something yeah. that gets you reelected. um so that that financial strain i think and the scene where you know they're at the party and comes in like you know harvey's birthday and he's drunk and he's being incredibly menacing towards him and his uh you know his is random he's just being creepy he's just being a creep yeah he's just being yeah. a fucking creep really and sort of like wow what's, what's gonna happen here you know is this what's gonna Jeff happen just that kind of menacing whatever like really well too right yeah, so this was a time period where josh brolin was like in a lot of films before this is pre-marvel isn't uh no yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he was in a quite and and I forgot a few other films, but like I was like, wow, he's having a bit of a resurgence since his Goonie days. <laughs> well, No Country for Old Men was a year before Milk came out, right? Two thousand seven. Yeah. Um, I think that that's the first movie that I remember seeing. And him. then he did W, which. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not Oliver Stone's best. No. Um, I I don't think he's he was bad as you know being W though. I like I like when he gets in the fist fight with fucking with with uh, Bush forty one his pop and he's like he, like crashes the car and he runs in he's like yeah pop I'm gonna fuck you up and like <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I think I think the vice portrayal of uh, of of George W Bush is a lot better than uh, Josh Brolin's kind of more like tragic figure betray or portrayal because yeah I don't know he's just, he's just a stupid guy that like wanted to impress his dad like it's not that. I don't think Bush is like a complicated figure. I don't think there's like depth the way that like Oliver Stone and Josh Brolin tried to like kind of portray. I think it's just dumb guy, dumb frat boy guy that wanted to impress his dad. Really. I think yeah. that's what it boils down to in the end. Um, which, uh, you know, uh, Chapel Trap House at one point pointed out when they did their like uh, Hell of Presidents thing that like both Bush and Trump are kind of similar and that they're both like just guys with daddy issues. Like their their whole reason for like acquiring power and fame is they're just like dudes who wanted to impress their dads in two very different ways. And of course, Trump's dad, dad right. is dead right now. But like, <laughs> can uh, we discuss the assassination of Harvey Milk? Yeah. So I have a I have, I have a clip for that. Um, so yeah, we're building on this thing this this puzzle one piece at a time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sad. <laughs> this is a puzzle. This puzzle is an assassination. It's not a woohoo moment. To some San Franciscans, it must appear the city has gone a little insane. Just as everyone is beginning to come grips with mindless murder suicide of over 900 members of the San Francisco based People's Temple, word screams out over the radio, the television, the news. 
Oh, whoops. That's not What's a perfect name for that guy, too? Dan White. Yeah. <laughs> like, white also, as white red bro. You know? I mean, he did it because he was a closeted gay. That's for sure. It's a, Yeah, that's certainly... There's no... I mean, seriously, like, that deep hatred, You're. it's always you're secretly like that. Yeah. I, you know, you, you hate a certain demographic of people so much, but, like, especially when it comes to, like, LGBTQ plus community, the bigot's always closeted. So Twinkie defense, he only got manslaughter. He was in for I think five years, and then two years after he came back to SF and he committed suicide. So yeah, yeah. well, so Feinstein was able to like pass an ordinance that said, "Please don't move back to uh, <laughs> to San Francisco. Please move yeah. elsewhere." So he moved to the suburbs of San Francisco, and you know, yeah, I, f- I forget where exactly he ended up, but it was someplace you're like, "Oh yeah, of course that dude would end up there." Um, yeah, it, it, it's totally irrelevant. It's just like. I mean, look, there was a whole lot of uh, white flight outside of San Francisco um, anyway around that time period. And that's kind of when every, everything was like pushing towards suburbs again. Uh, some some of it for uh, price concerns. But yeah. He, uh, he, he engaged in a little bit of white flight right there. Where he- <laughs> hey! <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, he took off though from... San the- Bruno. San Bruno, which is um, a, a real nothing... Um, it's in San Mateo County. It's it's like a real nothing place. That's you know may, like maybe forty thousand people. It's it's like south of South San Francisco. I bought a used computer there once. It's the <laughs> best thing I can say about it. Yeah, and he put himself in his car and did the whole carbon monoxide thing. Yeah, within like two years of getting which out. seems like a I don't know. It seems like a pretty rough Four way to die. Well, yeah, today, exactly. Today, today they put him on stage at CPAC. Hey, exactly. No, he'd have a he'd have an NFT, Dan White NFT. (laughs) Tucker Carlson would have him on all the time. 
he he uh you know he was just a man out of his era i think because we are in the era of like the celebration of a dan white kind of figure i feel like sure and everyone talks about that i don't really want to discuss it right now i think it's kind of cool how it shows the beginning of uh harvey milk's kind of um work in organizing and how natural it is and just like starting from the fact that again the hate got to you know it didn't work for uh, for gay folks to hang on the hate, which is how the Castro kind of became like known as the Castro. But like there were people that were not OK with that. Right. That were, were flat out like, you know, intolerant. And to see that sort of breed the organization that led to him being such an incredible leader, uh, movement leader, not just for gay rights, but just for like progressive policies and um, and who honestly could have like done so much more. I mean, he could have been like mayor he could have been governor senator like i mean like yeah i mean he could have he could have and should have been like a bernie sanders style movement politician and i think it's very important too like there's a couple of key moments in, in the movie and certainly he says it a lot in real life too about it not being about the person but you know the person being about the movement and i think and, that, uh, that is really important so this, this is a speech that he gave uh at ucla oh cool yeah. awesome um, to kind of capture, uh, you know, how, how like, you know, dynamic he was as a speaker, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, that never gets, that really doesn't get his political skills. Don't get discussed nearly enough because he was incredibly sharp. At the, uh, in, in the times of Harvey Milk, that documentary, it actually does show through because there's like this union guy, like, you know, a stereotypical, yeah. like uh union guy from fucking California, but like, yeah. He's like this older guy that's like, you know, I, I pulled up there and I see like all these uh, these queers and I'm like, what am I doing here? But he's like, but he, he realized he becomes like Harvey Milk's like labor guy. And yeah. he realizes like, no, this guy is not a gay politician. This guy is not a um, a movement politician in the sense of like, you know, this this one issue. Right. Like he's more than a single issue politician. And he says, um, you know, there's so many different you realize there's so many different minority communities. Right. Like whether it's like, you know, the senior yeah. citizens or whether it's um you know disabled people or whether and they all have interest groups and he said that what uh harvey milk did is you wanted to stick around because eventually he was going to talk about your issue and right he, exactly yeah he's a cola is actual coalition builder everyone talks about they're a coalition builder but he actually was yeah so i think that shines through really well in, in that um documentary but also it's funny to have like the stereotypical union guy being like oh what am i going to tell my union he's a, he's a what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah
what I'm even more tired, I'm even more tired of the religious leaders of this nation who know it and remain silent. I'm tired of their silence. And I'm tired, and I'm tired of the John Briggs talking and lying about false role models. He's lying in his teeth and he knows it. Anita Bryant and John Briggs' unwillingness, their unwillingness to talk about heterosexual violence, their unwillingness to look into their own house. For if, if the John Briggs win, they will not stop. They are mad, and the Hitler types must continue to prove that they were right. They don't stop. You must remember that gay doctors, any gay person who has any kind of license, is in danger, and the Holocaust will begin. Gay people all across the state. The Briggs can only be defeated if each and every one of you comes out to everyone you know. You must. And finally, and finally, join me in this message. Jimmy Carter, listen to us. You want to lead? You want to be the world's leader in human rights? Well, damn it, lead! There are 15... There are 15 million lesbians and gay men waiting to hear your voice. We are coming out of the closet. When are you going to come out of yours? How many more years? Nice. Uh, Jimmy Carter apparently met met him in uh, I think it was I, I want to say uh, 1977 or 1976. Uh, Jimmy Carter came to California and met him and didn't want to publicly meet with him. Uh, Harvey Milk kind of forced his way into bringing like the press with him uh, mm-hmm. to meet the public. And yeah. uh, Jimmy Carter's obviously like far more conservative evangelical sister was there and reached out to shake his hand. And uh, Harvey Milk says, you don't know where that hand has been. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's something that um, is, it comes across in the movie is like his incredible sense of humor, which at the time, I mean, even now it's rare to like, like Bernie Sanders is actually funny in, yes. his, in his very specific kind of way. He's, he's very funny. But like, it's very rare to, to, for a politician to be funny, even now yeah. to this day. And, uh, and Harvey Milk I mean, was hilarious, like, and he, and he knew how to use it in service of making his points. We also was a very funny guy, which probably comes from being like oppressed and having to have like some rough chuckles to be have to deal with it. Of course, yeah. I mean, we see a lot with in, in the film with uh, with Harvey's interactions with Dan White. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Dan White's like, yeah, totally stone faced, like humorless. I mean, like, shocking, what? right? There's yeah. a certain kind of California politician too. Like, I mean, Reagan yeah, kind of did the same. Reagan had his like stupid one-liners where you know yeah. he'd come tell a, a humorous joke and everyone would chuckle. But uh, Nixon kind of Nixon was not a funny person. No, no, he was a crook. And, uh, <laughs> not but, at all. But at one point, he had a joke writer teach him how to tell jokes right. because he was uh, so. I mean, I don't know what the technical psychiatric term for it is, but whatever it is. He had it and uh, <laughs> had to learn how to actually communicate with voters in a way that wasn't like uh, completely unappealing. <laughs> um, and that's yeah, of course, I, I, around the same time as like the famous socket to me. 
Uh, yeah, right. No <laughs> exactly. Which, which and like that's one of the reasons why like Nixon as a historical figure is much more interesting as evidenced by, you know, the, the movie Nixon is fine. Secret Honor is actually really great. Uh, if for folks that maybe are not familiar, um, it's in the Criterion uh, collection. It's a film from like 1984. And uh, R.I.P. Philip Baker Hall, he plays Nixon and it's just him. It's just him basically oh, wow. like it's a really interesting movie because like we think of these when we think of Nixon now, we all kind of think of like certain character characterizations of Nixon. But the fact that it did it in 1984, um, <laughs> it's cool. Like it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's a good it's a good it's a good film. And also, he you know, R.I.P. to a legend. That guy's a great actor. But like it's literally just him. And it's a very interesting movie just because of that. Because it's just him like in a room, like basically like alone with his thoughts and stuff. It's, Pretty Nixon cool. would uh, Nixon would kind of steal um, like things from people. Like he obviously stole the victory thing from Eisenhower, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, was, yeah. But, but also, that was he, like um, his thing. Well, Roger Stone does it all the time now. There was a uh, yeah. Well, Roger Stone has a Nixon tattoo, actually. Roger it's Stone a tramp stamp. Let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's an image I didn't need. Thank uh, you. <laughs> well, Roger Stone's whole claim to fame was that he was arrested. He was the youngest person arrested during Watergate. I know. I know more about that guy than I let on. I still want to fucking talk about it. <laughs> but uh, the, the other thing Nixon did is uh, there was a famous quote that LBJ would used to say, let's get down to the nut cutting, which was, you know, when they were, like, getting down to, like, a bill that yeah. they needed to, you know, like, the rough part of it. And Nixon actually sure. stole that at one point and, like, used it against fucking LBJ. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, but there, there is a certain, and I think for us, what you're referring to is there is a certain kind of um, genial affability, the borderlines, uh, you know, uh, the charisma that comes from like being from other things, like being an actor in Reagan's case. And then there's also just the kind of wet blanket, usually dudes that just they, they have a district that uh, it's an easy win for them. And uh, there's, there's a lot of those as well. And that tends to be almost every Republican politician uh, that ever gets elected in California. And honestly, about 80 to 85 percent of the of the Democrats is the people only know uh, like the Gavin Newsom's and, and Jerry Brown's of the world. And, and don't think of these these empty suits that just have no charisma of any kind whatsoever and then of course every once in a while you get like a like a katie porter or barbara lee or someone that's actually you know stands for something and is, is kind oh of man she runs for president 2024 I, i'm into it <laughs> she's she's getting up there in years too but that, i mean she's my old rep but she's amazing yeah she uh she's she was actually elizabeth warren's student um when yeah. elizabeth warren taught at harvard which is kind of nuts but yeah I, I I think there's – so we're talking about Katie Porter now. Uh, the, the, I think there's a very strong chance that when yeah. Diane Feinstein dies in office, that Newsom potentially might appoint her. I, she's, yeah. I mean, she's honestly for that style of, like, technocratic, progressive yeah. politician. Yeah. She's, like, the, probably the best there is. Imagine um, her running for president. She's bringing out the whiteboard at the debates. <laughs> <laughs> and, Trump, and Trump brings out, like, a – but I don't know, like a squeaky chalkboard. So, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, listen. <laughs> um, I don't think, I actually think after today, Trump is not going to be the 2024 nominee for the Republican. DeSantis, let's go. Oh, I great, more fascism. Be. Well, I think he's definitely going to run, though, because he can raise money on it. Like, it's yeah. just, he's, no, he's, he's, he's going to say he's going to run. He's not going to win, though. 
I think, He's gonna, I think Republicans are going to try to uh, unshackle themselves from the mess that is January 6th. And, yeah. um, Especially after what we heard today. Yeah. But I think what he's going to do is he's, he's, he's going to run to raise money and then find some way to like not have to do it. I, I do like the I do like the thought of Trump fucking trying to choke out his uh, his driver. But I, I but I do think like I don't I don't know I, 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 yeah yeah exactly I, I, the idea of like Biden versus Trump again is like almost the most depressing thing I've ever heard like it's it's do you remember so, when they both threatened to beat the shit out of each other Yeah I was like oh my god like, <laughs> remember remember when when Trump got COVID and uh, I remember I went to bed. And all West Coast knew about it. And then I woke up. Oh, my God. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, God, no. And then, uh, the last episode of uh, Red Flag, I said the words uh, Jackson Hinkle and just started cracking up. And couldn't, couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's legit. Oh, when he, got, when he got COVID, my, one of my customers who's like, she's like in her 80s, but she's a she's a hard lefty. Like, she's been an activist for all her life. She was like, I was hoping he would die. And I was like, and my mom was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, Del, keep saying that. I mean, I would have been bummed out. <laughs> this, this, I, I want to, because now we're getting into after party territory. I'd like to play this last clip. This is the Dan White trial part. Um, and then we'll go from this to uh, letterbox one-liners and... Yeah, and then we can. I feel, uh, I feel like we haven't. Have we talked? I feel like we haven't actually talked about the movie that much. But yeah, yeah. Well, I have a clip of Sean Penn talking about it too. But uh, okay, I think it's a good movie, by the way. But whatever, we can final thoughts and stuff. That's fine. He's in the hands of the cops. The prosecution argued a simple motive: revenge. Is that Harvey Firestein? The facts of the crime. The state spent three days proving that Dan White committed the murders. White's own lawyers had already admitted this in their opening statement. To prove its case, the prosecution played a tape of Dan White's confession, but the tactic backfired. Some of the jurors wept in sympathy for White. I've been under an awful lot of pressure lately, financial pressure because of my job situation, uh, family pressure, not being able to have the time on my family. They never called me. He told me he was going to call me before he made any decision. He never did that. It was only on my, my own initiative when I went down today to speak with him. I was troubled. But the pressure of my family again, my, my son's out to a babysitter. My wife's got to work. Long hours. You know, I just was going to the bear just to see if he was going to reappoint me. Just all the time knowing he's going to go out and, and lie to the press and, and tell him, you know, that, that I wasn't a good supervisor and, and that people didn't want me. And, and then that was it. Then I, I just shot him. And then it struck me about what Harvey tried to do. And I said, well, I'm going to talk to him. I said, you know, at least maybe he'll be honest with me. And he was all smiles and stuff, and I went in. Well, he knew I was going to be in the morning. And uh, he just kind of smirked at me. As if to say, too bad. And then, and then I just got all flushed and, and hot, and I shot him. You told the jury that uh, although he had the, the gun with him, the thirty-eight. 
he had no intention of shooting anyone at City Hall. Is that correct? That's correct. And that uh, other supervisors carried weapons with permits. That's correct. Well, uh, I didn't mention with permits, but I did say that other supervisors and perhaps other City Hall personnel do, do carry firearms presently and have carried them in the past. Yeah. Do you know if, if the other people who do carry weapons also carry 10 extra rounds in their pocket? I think uh, ex-police officers and certainly uh, police officers on or off duty carry extra ammunition, yes. And that is also why you say he reloaded after shooting their Moscone? That is what I said, yes. Uh, clarify that, though, because of his experience as an ex-police officer. Yes, I think it was more instinctive than anything else. White was portrayed as an idealist, disgusted with the corruption of politics, a man who felt the city was deteriorating as a decent place for San Franciscans to live. Defense attorney Doug Schmidt told the jury, good people, fine people with fine backgrounds simply don't kill people in cold blood. It just doesn't happen. A key witness for the defense was Dan White's wife, Mary Ann. I knew the types of pressure that Danny was under. Uh, I felt the pressure myself. And I think when this occurred, I felt more for Danny than I did for myself or anyone else. I really did. I just felt so much that I wanted to do something for him. Do you foresee a point in the future where your life can return to some degree of normalcy? Oh, yes. I firmly believe that that there's something for us good that will come out of this. White's lawyers introduced the testimony of five psychiatrists to prove that he acted while in a state of severe depression, induced in part by consuming too much junk food. His attorneys argued that he had killed Moscone and Milk in the heat of the moment, and that under the law, the charges against him should be reduced from murder to manslaughter. The trial concluded in just 11 days. Yep. I killed George and Harvey with my six gun. I, I hate a. Uh, I fought I the law and I won. Yeah, I, I hate uh, his the lawyer's face. That lawyer has like the worst yeah. lawyer face, the worst case of lawyer face. The, the resting lawyer. resting lawyer face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. Oh, look who it is! But uh, yeah, I mean, kind of depraved. You have like, a lot of nerve said. showing your face around here. <laughs> <laughs> After what you said about us in court, <laughs> you're muted. Yeah, you muted yourself. Did you see the Twitter sent out while I was uh, having lunch, dinner? I'm banned from Twitter. <laughs> He's not kidding. He was. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. For seven days because I, I said that I wish harm on billionaires. <laughs> oh, well, nothing, nothing. You did nothing wrong. Yeah. Let Forrest um, go. <laughs> Pretty Forrest. Um, yeah, but like I... I, I think that it's, it's it's honestly so depraved. I think that the atmosphere of crime, though, like kind of uh, within within this time period, right, like made some of the most reactionary shit in really U.S. history happen. And like, I mean, you know, Biden rode that wave, too. Like, that's kind of Biden's wave to power, like being the fucking tough on crime guy, like the, the, the preceding for the preceding decade. And then, like, you know, the 80s and 90s kind of this whole like uh, reactionary crime wave with Democrats voting for some of the worst policies, not just because of um, 
you know, because they actually felt tough on crime, but also out of a fear that Republicans would pass even worse uh, bills, you know, even more draconian bills, if whatever the thing on the table is didn't pass. Like, there's a lot of uh, severely fucked up shit that happened within the, the next couple decades. And this, I think, is a, is a, a symptom of that, too. That, like, fear of crime, right? Like, that, that fear yeah, that, like... Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and again, talk about things that still, still they're still doing now, right? Yeah. Although I think our, our fuse for it is a little bit shorter now. Um, like, yeah. looking at something like Eric Adams, like, you know, winning, winning oh, by God. being a cop. Like, I, I think that the... Um, I, I think that people get a lot more tired of that a lot faster now. Like it's not that high. Like, I don't think he's gonna works. probably if he runs for the re-election, he ain't gonna win. Well, I, I just don't. I just don't see how with, uh, like, I don't see how you can sustain an entire mayoral tenure, right? Just by scaring the shit out of people. Um, uh, like, I, this, you, look, yeah, it's this, a drug. Is cla- this is classic after-party stuff, right? Yeah. So, to, so, so subscribe to the Patreon if you want to find out all about that crap. So one more one more clip before we go to the one liners. This is uh, I'm really selling it. <laughs> this is our uh, our our uh, Sean Penn clip for the. There you go. How burn. Film are you most proud of? Is it Milk? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever thought that through. Uh, certainly that movie. You know that that's Gus Van Zandt. Almost everything he touches, he touches for its own sake, in the sense that he gives himself to. The style that the story dictates. He's got, you know, that rarest human quality of humility and and yet incredible talent. So as much as any movie I've ever been involved in, Milk. When you played Harvey Milk, you were you were running tapes of this guy, right? Constantly in your trailer or wherever the hell you were. Here was a guy who, notwithstanding the gay rights, that he was a heroic symbol of and leader, and just this person as a man watching him and there's a lot of archival footage of it you feel such a love and affection i increasingly as i was moving towards making that movie just felt this sorrow that i would never have never get to meet him it was somebody wanted to know wanted that kind of person to touch your life and the people that had known him were so affected by him and so it's kind of like a song that touches you deeply you know, a lot of actors will play music on a set, you know, to get themselves in a place. I didn't have to do that when it came to onset because, you know, he had become the song in my life at that time where I would play music because I had queued up as I would come over to visit Darrow in San Francisco as I'd come down towards the Castro district where we shot a lot of the movie. And I just, my, my buddy Chet and I, as a, he was, he, he's my driver on movies. Uh, and he's like this, this tough, you know, fire plug New Yorker. And he, he knew <laughs> that as we're about to summit the hill and, and see the Castro below on our way to work, he'd hit the CD and we'd be blasting It's Raining Men. <laughs> <laughs> I get you into it, huh? And then I was right there. I was going, I was going to, to dance with the fellas, you bet. <laughs> It's, we we haven't talked about Gus Van Sant at all, or the, the direction of this movie, which I think is great and but consistent with that. I mean, that guy's stuff is quality. Like it's, yeah. He's a good director, even if with the movie is only okay. It's directors usually. I I really I love the way that they made fun of him though, um, in uh, because obviously like 
he has the same, you know, basic cast and, and you know, I mean, like, uh, as like Kevin Smith uses a lot, right? Like he uses. Yeah. Like, yeah. He uses the same, the same few. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Like, yeah. So they yeah. made fun of, uh, uh, Goodwill hunting, but they did good, Goodwill hunting too. And they had yeah. the, the scene. Hunting the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like uh, is it action Gus? And he's counting the money. He's like, Jesus, Ben. I said, I'm busy. <laughs> forgot about that no but i mean like better than psycho you know where, where he did the, the completely pointless uh film uh shot for shot remake yeah yeah which which sucked the life out of whatever was there at the original sure i mean if you want to bring up the worst thing he's ever done yeah uh but, but like uh, i mean well, like you know, thank goodness that's the worst thing he's ever done though you know yeah. compared to like you know other people in hollywood like you know Say like Sean Penn. <laughs> that Ukraine documentary. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but I mean like drugstore cowboy, goodwill hunting, like Ooh. my own private Idaho. Like even honestly, people forget about Tadai Four. Tadai Four is pretty great. It's like one of Nicole Gibbons' best movies, I think. Like it's I mean, he's got a he's got a thing. Like I I would put him in like a category of director where it's usually interesting. It's not always my thing, but like when he nails it, he really nails it. Yeah, I'm with and, you there. And I, I mean, what do you guys think about uh, Sean Penn's portrayal of uh, Harvey Milk? I, I think that he plays it a little bit over the top, but I think that it kind of makes him endearing. Um, oh yeah, because it's it's Sean Penn, but you know he's a pretty good actor. I mean, he did. I love I love his performance of Mystic River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. I I mean, Harvey Milk is pretty over the top, dude. You know, like I think I think he did a great job with it. I think it's a, I think you know there's a complaint that like hey there's all these iconic gay characters and it's a bunch of straight dudes playing them and I get mm -hmm. that and and that's you know I I understand but I mean he's also like it is called acting for a reason, folks. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and I th I thought it was a great portrayal. Like I I, mean, I thought he was pretty much embodied a hard dude to play. Uh, also, like like when it came out, uh, there weren't as many, or like like there's still a few uh, closeted uh, A-list actors, you know. Right. That that, that uh, so 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 they might not have had the uh, uh, you know they might not have been known a known quantity. Uh, if that, if that well, and that's but but that's it, and that goes back to like just judging things that even though this is like what 14 years ago, not long ago compared to some of the stuff we cover, yeah. but like judging it on 2020 2022 criteria and like you know knocking points off for things that were look at uh philadelphia even tom hanks was like you know there weren't a whole lot of, you know gay actors back in the day yeah. he's like you know they were well, never there were gay actors, there's no way hell a straight guy can play my character yeah they didn't you know people said no that they were I mean, they're confirmed bachelor, you know, there's <laughs> confirmed I mean, bachelor, Kona Neutron. Remember when Kevin Spacey got mugged in a, uh, uh, walking his dog at a notoriously like gay hotspot where you just go and, uh, like, uh, pick up guys in the bath, uh, in the bathroom at the, at the park. Uh, but, but apparently he was, he was just walking his dog. Uh, <laughs> walking his dog. I was just walking my dog. <laughs> he fucking answers it in the in the uh, House of Cards voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just walking my dog. <laughs> but I think this is a very well directed movie, and I think that it's a tough topic. And it, like, if you get it wrong, you're going to piss a lot of people off because he's such an important movement politics figure. And it's, I mean, it, like, especially in the Bay Area, but like, I mean, worldwide, really. Like, but like, especially in the Bay Area, like, it just if he if he hadn't nailed it, like, oof. 
my my uh, bonifier, I guess, for how good good or bad this movie w- was going to be is that I fucking really hate biopics. Like, I really, I really like the so the yeah. fact that like I do like this movie and I did like this movie at the time. Yeah. And I still like this movie. Like, I, I would say means it's a good movie because like I burn I burn through like water with biopics pretty fucking quickly. They do the same exact tropes over and over again, and you know this movie didn't seem to. Which do is that. why Walk Hard is so amazing because yeah. This this like takes a flamethrower and sets the entire genre on fire and is hilarious while doing it. Yeah, so I think this movie stands on its own two feet uh, without kind of falling back on a lot of that stuff. I do yeah. think that a lot of the reason is because of there is so much archive footage, not because the archive footage is just from the time period, but like also you know the documentary that kind of it follows along with the documentary. If you watch them kind of back to back, you're like, oh yeah, this is like they they're yeah. taking a lot of the stuff straight from the. Um, which, you know, I mean, there's other stuff like his relationship with, uh, um, I forget the guy's name, but uh, his, his second relationship, not Scott. Um, like, that oh, relationship obviously doesn't I, get touched on much. I in share the, a birthday with, uh, with Cleve. Oh, yeah? Who, who's in, who uh, is the lead in that Into the Wild movie that, that uh, directed by Sean Penn, I might add, that is quite, I quite like. Yeah, I for, totally forgot that movie exists. Oh, right. There are Baltimore Lanterns? I uh, I, I like I liked that movie too. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was good. Um, and then uh, what what's uh, so you're talking about with Diego Luna's character, right? What was it? What yeah. was it? Um, Jack Lira is, is the name of that character. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I don't know that. that I still was the guy from a Two Mama Tambien, but like whatever. I'm a weirdo. He also <laughs> does look like the, the actual uh, guy. I mean, like the actual boyfriend of the oh, child. He's in Elysium. Oh yeah, he looks totally like that dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, you want to do letterboxed one-liners? I'd love to. So, of course, letterboxed is a place for film, a place for film lovers to congregate, talk about the movies they love, the movies that they didn't love, the movies that they are maybe weirdly thirsty for, uh, and you know, talk about what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, what they were baffled by, uh, what's on their mind. Maybe that has nothing to do with the movie. All of this, of course, is best expressed in the funny working on your tight five format. The one liner. Uh, keep it short. Keep it succinct. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. These are the letterbox one liners for milk. Man, fuck you, Dan White. What a shitty name. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed that the reviewer was not named Dan White. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I. The Twinkie defense sounds like something that would totally be something that Dan White gets away with, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice background, by the way. <laughs> I know you cannot live on hope alone, but without it, life is not worth living. Hmm. Good quote. quote. Yep. 2008 quote. Good quote. <laughs> 2008 quote, but it makes it. It makes it. I take a sip of his milk. <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Well, it's definitely not curdled yet. I mean, now it seems to be. Uh, if you look at uh, you know his his appearance now, but <laughs> if a bullet should enter my brain, let that bullet destroy every closet door. Yeah, that line goes hard. Yeah. By the way, that uh, that will that he that they play throughout it, right? Like that they're kind of tying together the narration with. That's yeah. a real that's a real thing that you know Harvey Milk. Uh, they did. You know, recorded. Yeah. He dictated it out. Yep. Yeah. Good film, but I didn't really like how they had to bring politics into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Come on, just act. I want to. I want to see the acting. I don't want to hear about politics. I'm just trying to have a good time. Why are you gonna make it political? <laughs> Show more scenes of drunk guys hanging out. <laughs> if you're still lactose intolerant for seeing this, just grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Written by a proud boy, I guess. <laughs> Even though I knew what would happen, because it's literally the past, I was still hoping I would be wrong. Yo, I remember seeing it in theaters and thinking that. Like, I remember seeing it in theaters and be like, come on, maybe he won't die. And I'm like, no, you yeah. better. Like, of course he has to. It's a historical. <laughs> yeah. It's like that uh, John Wayne movie where he, uh, um, where were they win the Alamo, you know? Or it's uh, <laughs> it's like the uh, Tarantino movie where the, they don't end up killing, uh, you know, Sharon One Upon a Time in Hollywood, where they don't end no, up, they, yeah, they don't. <laughs> they don't kill Sharon Tate. She gets to have a career in her life, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which Josh Brolin character is scarier, Thanos or Dan White? <laughs> Dan White says, "I am inevitable." Snap <laughs> walking into city hall. <laughs> oh man! God damn it, bro! I cried. How did that bastard get off with only manslaughter on the fucking Twinkie defense? But anyway, this movie was so great. Yeah. It's true. They don't really, you know, I mean, at the end of the movie, they kind of tie it up before, you know, going too in-depth into that whole part of it. Yep. I guess Dan White wasn't just lactose intolerant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He couldn't cut the Proud Boys, could he? (laughs) There you go. Those are the Letterbox one-liners for Milk. Of course, if you're on Letterbox, follow the show, which is uh, Forrest over there. Uh, please follow. And uh, Kona Neutron, that's me. I'm all over it. J. Andrew World is logging films from the basement, apparently. Uh, and then, of course, our lovely friend, I'm Christina, down there. Uh, she's not only finding her pride, she's finding which movies she's going to watch next on Letterboxd. Letterboxd is a place for film. It's time for the plugs. I don't quite know how to introduce it, because this, this, this is like, you know, you can't have, you know, one president at a time, right? You can't have <laughs> to go in. What, are we? What are we? Are we letting Christina do it? What's happening? I don't know. <laughs> I can do them. Okay. Christina, take it away. All right. So if you guys are watching us on Twitch, feel free to subscribe. If you have an Amazon Prime account, feel free to subscribe through Amazon Prime. It's free. It helps us out. It's amazing. I love it. If you're on YouTube, uh, feel free to subscribe. Click that notification bell because, you know, YouTube's algorithm is shitty. Um, and also make sure to watch through the whole entire video because that helps us out and kind of boosts us in the algorithm as well. Please, again, subscribe because if we reach a thousand subscribers, we can uh, get monetized, I believe. Yeah. Also, we do have a, a Patreon, which we do a lot of after parties. So patreon.com slash movie night extra. And she's crushing uh, your version of this right now. <laughs> I, I talk too much. That's my <laughs> um, Let's see. What else? Oh, if you think we're ugly, but you think our content is great. Then you're tripping and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to listen to us on any place where you get your podcast from. So, I mean, come on. I mean, we're, we're, we're mildly attractive people. So you're probably thinking, I just want to listen. I don't want to look. You don't want to be distracted by all the beauty. That's that's what. Or by the pins. Or by the pins. (laughs) Yeah. Look, we don't speak of the pins anymore. 
if you want, let's see, I'm pretty sure I got through everything, the major plugs for the uh, podcast. Yeah, just individual ones, you know. Yeah, okay, now if you want more of Conan, subscribe to Protonic Reversal. Yes. And also, too, are you got, are you going on any more tours anytime soon? Uh, yeah, uh, not for a bit. Yeah, August and September. So, but okay, yeah, so there, we got plenty of time. Yeah, there's there's plenty of time for that. Uh, any any guests on the podcast coming up? Three hundredth episode. Um, big surprise what that's going to be. But three hundredth episode coming up. And become a patron too for Conan because yes, he produces amazing content. I do. Thank you. I need right. to get on the podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. Release the album. You got to release the album to get on the podcast. Yes, got a new album out. Got a new awesome <laughs> music video out. It's great. I love it. Whenever I'm bored, I listen to Conan because I'm like, oh, yeah. gets me motivated to clean. I had to clean my room and it was a mess, but now it's back to being a mess again. So I gotta listen to Conan and clean my room. See? Exactly. So everybody buy it. Thank you. Conan. Yeah. Conan has uh, twelve rules for uh, for life. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> it's got to spark joy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Is that all the plugs, Conan? Yeah, uh, sure. That, that seems fine. Oh, new EP, yeah. a new ish EP. Vinyl's coming yes. soon. Dangerous nomenclature. NewTronFriendsCampCamp.com. Nice. Also, follow Forrest at Always Flocka, even though he's got a seven-day ban right now. <laughs> I, uh, I appealed it. I appealed it. I don't know if they'll... Did you get Dan White's lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, there's a lot of people that wish death on a billionaire. In fact, uh, when he said that, he had just taken his ADHD medication, which, you know, and he's also on, uh, on, on steroids for uh, poison ivy right now. So... Uh, you know his brains. His brain wasn't all there, and that's why I don't think that it's fair to uh, ban him for seven days. Also, a lot of people carry bullets in their pocket. It's not yeah. really that. Big <laughs> we call it the light. Do you have any plugs like bad takes? And oh, yeah, he never. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, bad takes. Uh, bad, bad takes is on a bit of a hiatus right now, but we'll be coming back strong this summer. Um, so so uh, wait for some announcements. Uh, probably once you know, I actually have furniture. Because literally right now, my, my only furniture is a metal chair um, and some mattresses upstairs. The cat's the pillow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which she briefly came out of hiding from behind the uh, washer and has then retreated back there because the uh, air conditioning came back on. We so, appreciate the minute-by-minute minute updates. Yes. <laughs> and I think the other cat has eaten all the food. Oh. There we go. Um, but uh, uh, there's one other thing I do want to plug. Um, if anybody knows anything about uh, um, uh, propane um, water heaters, please hit me up in my DMs. Propane, I, I, I don't think it's as a flame because I don't have any hot water right now. Oh. Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. You need to. You oh, need man. To. <laughs> now i got to plug myself. Uh, I stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash umchristina. Nice and I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash umchristina. Right, right there, umchristina. Right there. Okay, anyway, there find you your pride. Find your pride. Yes, you I have to do a very intense, intimate dance in the rain with a, with another woman. Like, that's how I have to do it. I have to do it like Mac. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, subscribe to your Patreon and, and, and all that jazz. Yeah. Help I'll... me become financially independent, you guys. It's going to be fun. Everyone in this show needs money, so please <laughs> yeah. sort that out, would you? I have Thanks. $20 to my name currently. Thanks in advance. Uh, 
the 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 one thing I wanted to plug is that on July sixth, it is the year anniversary of Movie Night Extravaganza. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, we are going to uh, hopefully have a bunch of guests coming on for the after party. The uh, the movie we're going to be on this is Revolution. The movie is going to be at Clockwork Orange. Uh, Rayvon is joining us for that. It's going to be a, a fun time. We've kind of worked it out over the last week um, after not really knowing what to do. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I, it just was announced, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm into that. Like I, I was like I think I was like well we like, talked about doing it before exactly so I, I am super stoked I'm not mad about it I was like great that's that's a great choice I've been I think I think there. we're gonna have various guests I mean I talked to Jason's definitely gonna jump on for a little bit to wish us a, right. a, a you know a good time uh, Ben might come on for a little bit I think like Doug Lane like I, I haven't worked it all out yet but like you know I. Just the people I actually physically ran into. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like all the people you ran into over the weekend. <laughs> now my question is, is, how the hell am I gonna work mermaids into uh, freaking clockwork? Oh, he wanted me to tell you it's not mermaids. It's not mermaids. <laughs> so and before that, I think right Friday, July first, one of the last Friday shows for a bit is uh, gonna be Stalker with uh, Ian Miller of uh, Calvin Wild City and Rigs of Dad and uh, Varn. Yeah, correctly. Um, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna be slowing down for the summer because uh, and doing Tuesday shows only because you know everyone wants to live their life during the summer. Nobody. Yeah, we, we got because everyone has to do. Anymore. I think doing like shows on Wednesday would be fine, probably. So it's like right in the middle of the week. Yeah, I mean we could we could change the day up, but uh, nobody wants to work anymore. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I never did, but. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's it for plugs. Uh, we're going to be going to the after party in a few minutes. But of course, first, you know, final thoughts uh, dictated into the uh, the tape recorder uh, okay, in case okay. of your assassination. Uh, you know, Christina, I guess starting with you, final thoughts. So I saw this film, I it, I think when it like was available on like demand and whatnot on DVD and Blu-ray, like this was like right like in like tw- 2009. And I thought the film was phenomenal. I understand why Sean Penn got the Oscar. Um, also, like uh, this entire cast is stellar. It, 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 even though I'm trying to forget that James Franco is in this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, amazing directing, amazing uh, use of like actual clips from the time period. Uh, I think Josh Brolin did phenomenal as Dan White. I mean, he kind of looks like his twin. Um, it is the the film is very dated for its time, but um, hopefully there there will be more movies like this that talk about other LGBTQ plus uh, icons in within you know the political spectrum, uh, and maybe it won't be as you know dated as Milk is because there's always room for improvement. So curdled milk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and those are my final thoughts. That milk's gone. That milk's gone sour. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Andy, final final thoughts. Uh, um, but, but mostly about my water heater. But because he's, he's, my final thought is you better get some furniture in there too. Andy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Any final thought? Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, uh, this this is definitely um I, I did not get to rewatch this movie unfortunately because because uh, uh, of uh, the move uh, I feel really bad about that um because I really you know Sean Penn as much as I hate the fact that he he beats every partner he's ever had um he is a hell of a good actor 
And um, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, he's an artist I want to separate, you know, separate from his art. Um, but his art's always great. Uh, so does that make sense? Yeah. Am I making any sense? No, it makes sense. But also, okay. also, I'd like to separate him from his political activism as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's at the January 6th, uh, you know, hearings. I know that, the that people's work. That story broke as I was getting ready for this episode. They're like, oh, Sean Penn was at the January 6th hearings. <laughs> and Alyssa Milano's, Milano's at large with a bunch of stuff, too. It's like, what, what are you up to? Yeah, but like Sean Penn literally went into Haiti to do the Clinton. I do not movie. need it. I need to be explicitly clear. I do not need it explained to me. I know exactly what the fuck. Yeah, no, so I'm saying it's, it's a foreign policy rather than like a. I get I think, it. Yeah. Yes, I get it, and I also don't want to discuss it. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, uh, one of those movies I did not see in the theater because uh, that was uh, tail end of um, uh, my kids being small and uh, couldn't really get to the movies like I used to. Uh, so so you know I, I did miss it kind of, but. Um, uh yeah no it's it's definitely it's definitely a movie that's worth um you know checking out uh fantastic cast honestly i don't have too many more final thoughts that haven't really been covered all right there we go yeah um conan let's let's hear those final thoughts yeah i so i did see it in movie theater i saw it at the castro theater like in the Castro district, like where it all took place, which is on film. And that was, as I mentioned many times before, one of the more surreal moments of my life and certainly my movie making experience. And I made it all the more poignant because of it. And I was someone that was skeptical yet cautiously optimistic about this film being made. Cause like, well, it's going to stand Santa, but it'll be interesting. And uh, yeah, I think they knocked it out of the park. I mean, uh, biopics, I think are a hard sell for me as well. It's not my favorite genre. But there's a lot to love about this. I mean, Sean Penn won the won Best Actor that year. That was the uh, Slumdog Millionaire and uh, Heath Ledger year, by the way. Uh, but like he won Best Actor, it was it was stiff competition for that. But I mean, it's an ensemble piece. Like I mean, um, you know, uh, Josh Brolin as uh, <laughs> I almost said Bud White. <laughs> <laughs> As Dan White is is incredible. I mean, there there's a there's a lot of great performances here, and it's a, it's an, an important piece of history that had never really been put on uh, a major motion picture in in that way and put it in historical context. And even though, as we mentioned, some of the Hopi Changey stuff like maybe hasn't like aged quite as well, but the underlying aspects of what it means to be a movement politician to have that in like a major Hollywood blockbuster is uh, you know. That's important. And and that's something to, to take away from, even if, like, you know, you think that uh, maybe the movie is not quite entirely your thing or that it didn't entirely get there. I think it does that message very well. And there's not a lot of movies that do that. And I think Harvey Milk was an incredible uh, human being and, uh, you know, worthy of lionization and worthy of remembrance. And I think this movie does a good job of. Uh, kind of walking the fine line uh, between all of that, but uh, can't be clear enough. Fuck Diane Feinstein. Yeah, you, you, you took my my final thought was going to be Diane Feinstein. Come on, it's time. It's time to go. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's enough. Don't run for re-election. Time to go. Just, just, just retire. 
just you know what? I'll never say a bad word about you again. Lay in bed, and close your eyes, and just let it go. To sit on your gigantic bed of money. Let it go. <laughs> just, you know, resign, bitch.